0: Hey everybody, my name is Elliot Waters and you're listening to The Disregulated Podcast. As always, thank you for tuning in. Today's episode is the next instalment of the fortnightly check-in series. Now, I know what you're thinking, but Elliot, it was meant to be weekly and you're exactly right. Originally, the plan was that this was going to be a weekly episode check-in, but Sometimes, I overpromise and under-deliver, and unfortunately, this is another of those times. So, I've pushed it back to fortnightly, which is good for two reasons. The first one, that means there'll be more subject material to talk about on the podcast, which is important. And the second point is that if it's only fortnightly, there is a lot more chance that I'll actually do it. That's also very important. The theme of today's episode really is all about capacity, or in this case, diminished capacity. So the last couple of weeks have seen an uptick of my anxiety, right? So when it comes to anxiety for me, this this in particular generalized anxiety disorder, I would say it's never been this bad. It's never been this bad at all, which isn't great. The social anxiety component, I don't think the needles move much, but the generalized anxiety stuff, definitely. I am... Afraid of everything, (laughs) which sounds terrible and it is, but it is the truth in some ways. I I am afraid of a lot, which is not good, obviously. So, for example, one of my jobs, I work at Bunnings Warehouse. Now, if you're an Australian, you obviously know what Bunnings is all about. If you're one of the international listeners, feel free to do a Google search because Bunnings is a huge part of the the fabric, the culture of Australia. Anyway, I've been working at Bunnings for five and a half years. And all of a sudden, I walk into work and I feel like it's my first shift again. And that's the generalized anxiety just seeping into everything and just making everything scary. You know, five and a half years in the same job, you know it back to front. You know what you got to do. You know what the expectations are. You know what tasks need to be completed, etc. After that long, you would hope that you would be comfortable with the work. And generally speaking, I am. But at the moment and it illustrates this point so well everything even those little routine things i do all the time everything has this anxious sort of cloud hovering over the top of it which is so so annoying and as a result i think the anxiety has then caused secondary depression to hit so you know i'm very frustrated and you know constantly in a state of fear that obviously is not a good thing and that can play on your mood and i think that is exactly what has been happening lately so the sort of depressive stuff is gone downhill a little bit as well. Not as much as the anxiety, but it's definitely pointed downhill a bit. And I think a lot of that is because the anxiety is driving all this negative emotion. So as a result, obviously, if just living is a scary proposition, well, that isn't usually good for your mood. So yeah. So when I talk about capacity, I'm talking about the capacity to just about do anything. So it could be the capacity to see friends and be social, it could be the capacity to make some phone calls and talk to people on the phone, it could be to do your washing, your dishes, it could be going to work, it could even be just getting out of bed. Okay, so I'm going to use a little analogy to try and explain what I think depression and anxiety does to our capacity to engage with the art of living. Okay, so let's think of ourselves as like a motor vehicle. So we've all got fuel tanks. Mine's a 60 liter fuel tank, let's say. And ordinarily, when I engage with the world, that energy is what I use to have social conversations, to go shopping, to do the washing, to go to work, etc. Now, this is what I think depression does to our fuel tanks. It diminishes it, it shrinks it, and it curtails our ability to be able to tap into this resource properly. So instead of being a 60 litre tank, all of a sudden, in real working terms, I've only got 20 litres to use. And I just cannot refill this anymore because the depression has decided to move in and it's blocking my ability to use and to gain any more fuel. Very annoying. So that's why I think depression does. Anxiety, on the other hand, is all about fuel economy. So obviously, we need to use a certain amount of fuel, like a car, to be able to do these things we want to do and what I think anxiety does it doesn't lessen the amount of fuel that we have on board but what it does is burn through the fuel at a much much quicker rate than would normally happen so anxiety being in that which makes sense my analogy of course makes sense because when we are in a heightened state the body does use more energy so that is true so that's how I see it the depression lowers our capacity to store and use energy and anxiety uses it up really quickly and more evidence that i think my analogy is correct is that when you're depressed you're not doing much moving you're not sleeping well you're staying in bed a lot you're sort of hiding away from the world and just ruminating internally so if you've got heaps of energy running through your system you're not staying in bed but with anxiety you do get that that rush of adrenaline And you start, you know, sweating, your heart rate goes up, you know, racing thoughts. It's using up your fuel and a lot of it at that time. So there you go. That is my analogy. I hope that made sense. But that is what I've been dealing with the last couple of weeks. Both of them, the anxiety and the depression component. So not only is my fuel tank smaller than it should be, I'm using whatever fuel is in there up very quickly. So what has been the result of this smaller tank and this unbelievably high fuel economy that's going on at the moment well for you guys that are lucky enough to know why am i laughing that are lucky enough to know me in real life would maybe be aware that it's been a little bit hard to get a hold of me the last couple of weeks and that is because of my diminished capacity so let's say on a normal day i can make i don't know four phone calls without completely gassing myself four At the moment, because of my diminished capacity, I can only make one, and then that is it. I'm tired, I go to bed, it's just too much. So, obviously, if there's more coming in than what you're putting out, after a while, it gets very, very overwhelming, extremely overwhelming. And that's been part of the problem is that not only is my capacity diminished from the get go, once these, I guess, conversations or, or, or phone calls, messages, emails that I need to be reading and replying to, once that starts to build up more, that also drains our fuel tank. So you can see where the big problem has been here. So, for those people who have reached out and messaged me or tried to call me, send me an email, and you are waiting on replies, I do want to say I'm sorry. I am sorry. I'm trying to get through the backlog. And this isn't about me being oh so popular. Oh, I get hundreds of phone calls and text messages and emails every day. It's nothing like that. It is all about the other end of the scale. It's not the supply of communication. It's the ability to meet demand. If you can only make one phone call a day, generally speaking, people are going to be missing out. And really, at the end of the day, who really misses out is me, because I miss out on these conversations with my friends, my family. Um, you know trying to get things at work organized and it just puts you on the back foot and like i said once you're on the back foot just knowing that you are and ruminating on the fact that we just cannot get on top of this drains the fuel tank even more so that is the story everybody i am sorry for those people i haven't responded to it's not because i don't like you it's because i'm hiding under the bed sheets all right i'm sorry and i guess this feeds into or or makes sense when it when we look at the fact that i'm an introvert so i'm like an extroverted introvert so i can go out there and sort of be the life of the party i suppose oh look at me look at all the attention i'm getting how amazing is this but then it really wears me out so i need like a day or two to recover where i don't really talk to people that much and just recharge those batteries get the full fuel tank full again but the problem is I think my introversion really steps up a gear when we're anxious or we're depressed. I'm I'm almost certain about that. And I think that is why during these moments, I have so much difficulty being able to engage with people because it just wears me out so much. And like I said, it's definitely not a reflection on the people who are nice enough to want to contact me. That's for sure. And it sucks because I really think like I want to be extroverted. I really love having conversations with people you know, getting to know people better. I'm a little bit of an attention seeker. So, which is, this is so, so typical of me. Um, It's that contrast between wanting to be more extroverted, but actually being introverted that causes a lot of pain, especially when the gap between the both really lengthens and extends itself. Because then really we're overextending ourselves by trying to be this extroverted persona, when really our core introversion fundamental sort of way of looking at the world is saying no no we need a break and we need a break now so anyway so that's what I've been battling the last few weeks that that desire to want to contact people that have contacted me but then also that overwhelming feeling as I slip behind the wave as I just do not keep up to date with what is going on so as I said at around the top of the episode um what I think's going on is the generalized anxiety disorder component of my makeup is the one that's driving all of this negative emotion. So as I said, this has been going on for a couple of weeks now, um, and I can't really think of any specific triggers or situations that has brought on such a, a, a wave of anxiety. I just cannot think of what has changed to cause this. So, as you can probably imagine, my appointment with the psychiatrist yesterday, I tell you what, I was looking for some answers or at least some changes to the way that we've been doing things. So just to preface this next part of the episode, if you've listened to my episode on treatment resistant disorders, you would be aware that I've now been on 16 psychoactive medications, 16 different drugs to try and get on top of this mental health battle. Well, I can say here on the podcast, we're up to number 17, 17. Now the problem is, it's like we've gone full circle and we're back to the beginning again. So I've now been prescribed sertraline or Zoloft, it's probably better known as, in the US especially, it is an SSRI, a selective serotonin reuptake inhibitor. These drugs, these classes of drugs are the first line of intervention, SSRIs. Now the problem is I've been on SSRIs before and they've done very, very little. But it must be said, not all SSRIs or any of the medications in these different classes are made the same. They're not the same thing. They do work slightly differently. And there is logic behind revisiting the SSRI category because most research tends to point to anxiety being a serotonin problem. So I understand the logic behind it, but at the same time, it does feel like we're sort of just blindly picking different medications and just hoping something sticks without any real plan of attack. But I can't be too critical because the one medication that I did specifically ask for, well butrin, or in Australia known as Zyban, it's generic name Bupropion, didn't really do the job. So hey, what do I know? Maybe, just maybe, and hopefully... Sertraline or Zoloft will be able to do what the other SSRIs that I've tried have not been able to do, those SSRIs being escitalopram, Lexapro, or fluoxetine, Prozac, and that is to get my generalized anxiety and social anxiety disorders under control once and for all. Wouldn't that be amazing? Now, I'll tell you what, ladies and gentlemen, I will keep you updated every step of the way. Every side effect I get, every hopefully improvement that I get, or if nothing happens, which admittedly that's what I'm thinking will happen, but we'll see, and I will tell you all about it. Now that reminds me, another medication that I've spoken about on the podcast before is lithium. Now you may remember, I've spoken about lithium before, that lithium is a mood stabilizer. It is the gold standard treatment for bipolar disorder, and it was discovered by an Aussie. How good's that? Thumbs up. Now, the thing with lithium is this. What it tries to do, what, what, it's, what it's supposed to do, and it does for a lot of people, is it flattens your mood out. So it takes away the extremes at the top and the bottom. So it gets rid of the mania and it lifts you out of the deep depression. Now, for me, there are a few side effects. The first one was cognitive dulling. So I just felt slower on the medication, thoughts weren't coming as clearly, and I wasn't able to put my thoughts into words as well as I used to be able to do, and that's sort of a big thing for me. The other big thing was memory loss. I found when I was on the medication, I kept repeating stories to people, which is so embarrassing, but also quite worrying. So a month or two ago, a couple of episodes ago, I decided to go off the lithium, So, it's been a while now, and this is what I have to report. So, when I was on the lithium, what it used to do was, yes, it flattened my mood out, but it also pinned my mood down quite low. So, it sort of kept me in this depressive funk. Yes, there weren't the fluctuations, the ups and downs like there was previous, but we were still having a rubbish go of it pretty much every day, and I just could not lift myself out of that. Now, the big worry with going off mood stabilizers, especially when you've got bipolar disorder, is that you can very quickly ramp up and go back into a hypermanic or manic episode. Now I can say with quite a great deal of confidence that that has not happened with me. So there has been no mania, there has been no hypermania. I would say my mood overall has improved slightly, but as we've discovered throughout this episode, other factors are pushing it back down again. So I thought I'd give you that little update. No more lithium, Things haven't gone backwards, but to be honest, I still find that my memory's not really that good, and I'm now wondering if it was actually the lithium after all, or if it was a side effect of depression, because one of the big telltale signs of depression is short-term memory loss, so that one I need to investigate a little bit more. All right, that is the fortnightly check-in. Not weekly, remember, it's now fortnightly. And I promise I'll do my best to stick to that schedule. Thank you for listening as always. If you're enjoying the show, feel free to like, subscribe and share it around with your mates. And if you want to contact me, you can do so on Instagram at elliott.t.waters. Until next time, this is The Disregulated Podcast. See you later.